Well, today I'm going to continue our series, Mission Possible, because we're talking about the four words that you see on the front side of your bulletin every week, and we're talking about these uh, little posters that are going up, pursuing Christ, building community. Today I'm going to talk about unleashing compassion. We're talking about four parts of our mission together as a church, and really those four things are really the four ways that God has put on our hearts to accomplish our overreaching mission. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, the mission that God has given us is to find ways to make more and better disciples, more and better followers, more and better agents of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this to his mission possible agents, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our mission director is Jesus Christ. We are the agents on the ground. And he has given us this mission that is not impossible but very possible. Amen? Amen? This mission to make more and better disciples. And our mission directors tells us, I will be with you. Every step of the way, I will be with you. I'll even sometimes in your ear give instructions to you, just like Tom Cruise, right? And he says, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age, and this mission is possible. Now, one of the ways that we can accomplish that mission is to unleash the compassion of Jesus Christ that lives inside of our hearts to all those who are suffering. And one of the ways that we'll know that we're accomplishing our mission is when more and more people are unleashing compassion to suffering people. Folks, making more and better disciples is our mission. And it is possible as we work together as a church. But... Listen close. Our mission will never be accomplished unless you and I decide to take on this part of the mission. This part, which is unleashing compassion. You see, if you are going to call yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, that means that you discipline yourself to follow the model of Christ. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to follow the model of Christ. And Jesus Christ clearly modeled unleashing the compassion that he felt toward the suffering with then an action that dealt with their need in a very real way, unleashing the compassion he felt toward the suffering with an action that dealt with their need. And we're to follow that kind of model of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, Because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Well, Jesus saw, and then he felt the compassion, and so he saw these spiritually confused and helpless people, like people without leadership, not knowing which way to go. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus took his time and his energy to teach them. Next model, the Bible says this, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. 
Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and in the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such women. Jesus said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Scripture goes on and says, at this, those who heard began to go away at one at a time. Then Jesus said, woman, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Once again, Jesus saw and felt compassion for the woman caught in sexual sin. What did he do? He took time and he expended energy to protect her and then to forgive her. Next model, Jesus says when he landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and then he healed their sick. Once again, Jesus saw, he felt compassion for the physically sick. So what did he do? He took his time, he expanded his energy to heal them. Another model, Jesus said this, I have compassion for these people. I do not want to send them away hungry. So Jesus saw, he felt compassion for the physically hungry. And what did he do? He took his time, expended his energy to feed them. Now listen close. God is not asking you and me to go on some scouting mission to find hurting people. But he is asking when he allows you to see someone who is suffering, to let the compassion of God who lives within you, to let you feel compassion, and then to cause you to run to the suffering. He wants you when you see them to run to them. He wants you to not just see, he wants you to not just feel, but he wants you to also do something for the suffering. He wants you to let your hands be his hands today. He wants us to carry out his mission today. He wants his hands to be your hands. And whatever you do, let your hands be the hands of Jesus And whatever you do, God will use you and your hands to draw the suffering person that you served closer to Jesus Christ, let alone helping with their need. The Bible goes on and says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. That means put on compassion. In other words, dress yourself with compassion. Let, your, let compassion be what people see when they see you. Let compassion be what people see you wearing. Now, a lot of times when people see you, what might be the first thing they see? Seven jeans, true religion jeans, Jimmy Choo shoes, I don't know. A lot of times we look at people and what we see is the outward dress, but God says, what's the outward appearance? That doesn't matter to me. What matters is the heart. And so what kind of a heart do you have when people see you? Do they see the compassion of God flowing in you and through you? Now, in several ways, this church family is showing compassion to the suffering. This church family together is working to run to those who are suffering. And, and some, when they see this church, they see and experience the compassion of Jesus flowing through us to them. But the question is, if they look close, what will they see us together doing? Well, several things. They'll see us operating a food pantry, giving food to those who are financially struggling, those who are hungry. 
They'll see us initiating food drives and working with Canning Hunger to feed the hungry here in Orange County. They'll see us sending teams to serve the hungry like we are today in Long Beach, taking a team down. And they'll see people donating food and cooking food and going down to Long Beach and serving 200 people there this afternoon. They'll see us taking meals to families who have a disease and they're dealing with or grieving over a loss. They'll see us cooking, making home-cooked meals and taking it into families to bless them as they go through stuff. They'll see us hosting blood drives year after year, just helping people who need the supply of blood. They'll see us sending funds to help relieve people that are caught in natural disasters, people dealing with typhoons and hurricanes and flood damage, those victims. They'll see us doing that. They'll see us praying over the sick. They'll see our elders and our staff anointing people with oil and praying over the sick. They'll see us providing professional Christian counseling to people that are dealing with relational needs and emotional needs. They'll see us starting new churches to minister to all kinds of needs in other counties and other countries. They'll see us in those churches then feeding people and hosting medical clinics and building church facilities like we're doing in Juarez. They'll see us developing pastors and leaders for church ministry like we're doing in the Philippines. They'll see us developing and sending pastors to start new churches like we're doing with Pastor David in in Fresno and Clovis area. They'll see us funding works in over 10 countries of the world with 2.5% of everything you give each week. Did you know that? Whatever you give in the offering plate, 2.5% of everything you give goes out beyond this church to 10 other countries. Folks, you are having a global impact in India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Ireland, Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya, the Philippines, Indonesia, and Mexico. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. God is using us to make a global impact just through the simple thing of giving. They'll see us working with people that are struggling. They'll see our staff and elders and C-group leaders helping people pray through issues and work through issues. They'll see us spending time helping people deal with, uh, with a death or other tragic issues. They'll see us providing avenues to help children and youth and adults design pathways to spiritually find Christ, design pathways to help people grow in Christ, design pathways to help people travel and experience how they can better serve Christ. As a church family, we are showing compassion, but we need to do more, and we want to do more. But the question is, what do you personally do when you see a suffering person? When you see a need, when you see it, do you feel for those going through it and you do something about it? When you see it, do you feel for those going through it or do you walk on by it and do nothing about it? You know, Jesus talked about a couple of men like that. He said one day a man was walking along the road and he was attacked, he was robbed, he was stripped, he was beaten, and he was left in a ditch to die. And one man came by And he saw the man in the ditch, but he walked on by and did nothing about it. Then a second man, Jesus says, saw the man in the ditch as well, but he walked on by and did nothing about it. But then a third man came by, and that third man stopped, bandaged his wounds, put him on his donkey, took him to a hotel, paid for all of his food and lodging for a couple of weeks, and then even came back and checked on him later. Only that third man went beyond seeing and feeling to actually doing something. 
That third man unleashed the compassion of God within him. And he ran to the suffering one. Now, when I think about unleashing something, I think about this picture. I think about an unleashed dog. Amen? <laughs> How many of you are dog owners? All right. Okay. You've seen this. You unleash the dog. And when that dog sees something that he wants, full throttle, full throttle, can't get in his way, can't stop him, he's going to get where he wants to go. Now, when I think about unleashing something, I think about that kind of a picture and a full throttle kind of a thing. And the real truth is you and I do the very same thing all the time. It's kind of like this. Shirley, let's take the boat to the river. And Shirley says, yeah. <laughs> let's go to the river. It's like kids after church. Let's go to Wood Ranch, and then, then let's go see a movie at Edwards. And the kids go, yeah, Dad. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're, they're just off, and they're running. Girls, let's go to Nordstrom's and shop for some Jimmy Choo shoes, right? <laughs> you know, we're, they're just off. and running. We do that all the time in life. We see something we want, and then we're off. We're running for it full throttle. We run towards things we want to possess, and pleasures we want to experience. We see it. We unleash ourselves and we run to it. Now, most of our world looks a lot like this dashing dog, just running towards stuff all the time. But so very few of us look like the Good Samaritan that stopped. So very few of us look like Jesus. The one who, when he saw a need, did something about it. The one who, when he was walking on his way, on a mission, in a crowd, and a woman touched his robe, he stopped and he healed her. Like Jesus, who was in a busy teaching mode, people had been following him for three days, he saw they were hungry, and so he prayed, multiplied the food, and fed the people. He did something about it. We need to be like Jesus, the one who heard about a, a soldier's boy that was sick and dying. He changed his schedule and he stopped and he went to the side of that boy and he brought him back to life. And Jesus is the guy that was so selfless that even when it demanded an ultimate sacrifice from him, the giving of his life to pay for our sins. He let his compassion run towards who? You and me. Amen? Amen? He let his compassion run, and he gave the ultimate sacrifice, made the ultimate sacrifice, paid the ultimate price. He did something about our need. So when Jesus saw the suffering, he was feeling compassion, and, and often we feel compassion, but he unleashed it. And he ran to the suffering. But sometimes we just let our head get in the way of our heart. Sometimes we see the suffering and we feel for them. We feel bad about what they're going through. But then we talk ourselves out of helping those people. We let our, our head get in the way of our heart. Shirley and I were out this week doing some birthday shopping for sure. Shirley, she, she had a birthday. So we were out doing some shopping and... I won't tell you how old she is. It was a big one. 
It was one of the big birthdays. But, but anyway, <laughs> we were out doing some birthday shopping. And after the shopping was done, and I spent way too much money, uh, we, we got out of the car for lunch, thought we'd stop for lunch. And we got out of the car. We were walking into this fast food restaurant. And as we were walking in, getting ready to open the door, this father and his son walk up. And he said, uh, could you buy a, a Happy Meal for my son? And I just kind of looked at him and, and thought, my head starts thinking, is this a lifestyle for this guy? If I buy his son a meal, am I going to be enabling him to beg? And he'll be back here with another person asking the same thing again and again. And he said, you know, we're new to the area. I'm trying to find work. I don't have work yet. My son is hungry. Um, we're trying to get him into school and all these things. And my head was just saying, man, am I enabling something I, I, I shouldn't be enabling? But my heart was saying, feed the kid, feed the kid. And then my head started saying, yeah, Larry, feed the kid, because you're going to preach on compassion this week. But <laughs> no, I didn't think that. But we, we took them in and, and fed the kid. So. But sometimes our head, and you know, you know, you've maybe been there, our head gets in the way of our heart, and we just don't unleash compassion and run to the suffering like Jesus did. We want to be Christ followers. We, we want to be models of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And yeah, that scripture is talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have an obligation to help each other through things. But God's compassion goes to his Christian family, his followers, and those who don't yet know him. Amen? Amen. He lets his compassion flow. And then Paul says to New Testament Christ followers about them, he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. And so because of that, their righteousness endures forever. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That just says when God sees you blessing the suffering, he's going to bless you. When God sees you giving to meet a need, God is going to give back to you. But the problem is we often see the needs, and if we don't let our head talk us out of meeting the need, well, sometimes we see the need is so great that we think our little just won't be enough, and so we still don't do anything. We still don't give at all. There's a village, a legend about a small village in the country of Spain and in a, in a thousand years or so, a king had never visited this small village in his own country. But a new king decided to visit. And when the, the villagers heard that the king was going to finally come to their village, something that had never happened, they said, we've got to have a celebration for the king. And, and all the villagers agreed. But since most of the villagers were very poor, they didn't know what they could do. They, they, their resources were limited. But since most of them made their own wine, they all agreed to bring a cup of their very best wine, mix it together, and offer it to the king. So before the king arrived, they each poured their cup into a large vat. They began to mix it all together. And when the king finally got there, they gave him a beautiful cup. They let him fill his cup with the very best that they could offer. It was then that the king took a sip of nothing more than water. You see, every villager thought, I'll keep my best wine for me and substitute it with a cup of water. 
with so many cups of wine in the vat, the king will never know the difference. The problem was everyone in the village did the same thing. And the king was dishonored. And I wonder how often King Jesus is dishonored when we who are called by his name and we call ourselves Christ followers, when we don't offer our best to the suffering in his name. I wonder how often the name of Jesus and the name of his church worldwide is dishonored when we who are called by his name don't offer our best to those who are suffering most. You see, if we offer the compassion of God, those who don't yet know him, when they see love flowing from people sometimes that they don't even know, they'll say, you've got something I don't have. There's a love coming out of you. There's a countenance on your face that I don't know anything about, and I've got to figure out what that is. You see, folks, that's what draws people to, to Jesus as Lord and Savior is when they see the love of God in his people. Amen? Amen? That's how we make more and better disciples of Christ. Yes, we preach the truth. Yes, we tell people about that. But when they see the love and compassion of God flowing through us together and us as individuals, that's what draws people to Christ. They're not used to a love like that. They're not used to, to care like that. Folks, that's where we need to get. It's time to unleash our compassion and let it run to the suffering. So let me be really clear about ways that you can do that as we close this morning. I've already talked about the ways that we're showing compassion together. And so if you want to get involved in any of those things, just write in your, your response card, Larry, how do I get to Long Beach? Larry, how do I help donate meals to those who are sick and, and ill? And we'll contact you. We'll get you involved. We'll, we'll hook you up with the things we're already doing. Larry, how, how can I be a part of this new church plan? We'll get you hooked up, okay? So you can join in unleashing your compassion and things that we're doing together. But once again, every week as you give your tithe and offerings here at Canyon Hills, 2.5% of everything that comes in goes to support all of our compassion efforts. So your regular giving helps people like Pastor Sergio in, in, in Juarez, Mexico, extend and expand his ministry. It helps Pastor Chris De La Cruz in the Philippines and the 21 churches that our church helps oversee there. Helps them grow and expand and plant churches and expand their ministry. It helps Kathy Perry in Ireland. It helps all the Evangelical Friends missionaries. It helps our Friends Center at Azusa Pacific University that is training new pastors and new Christian leaders to go out and start churches and be in the ministry. So as you give, you're helping this church family unleash compassion around the world. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to understand you have a global impact just by simple giving. But you can be involved in so much more. And you can get the joy of serving those in need. But the real question comes down to this. What will you do to unleash your personal compassion and let it run to suffering ones? That's the real question. Will you offer the king your best? So his name will be honored. And so the needs of the suffering ones will be met. You see, our mission of making more and better disciples of Christ will never be accomplished unless you and I decide to take all of these parts of our mission, pursuing Christ, building community on the back pillar uh, 
unleashing compassion we're talking about today, unless we take all of those things and pursue those together, unless we're doing all of these things with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, we will not accomplish our mission. More people will not invite Christ into their lives if they don't see a church that's just flooding the community with love. Unless they see God in us and God flowing through us. Our fellow Christians around us will not draw closer to Christ if they don't see us individually pursuing Christ. You can't lead somebody to go any further than you are with God. And so if you want to make better disciples of Christ, if you want to see your brothers and sisters get more fervent, more prayerful, more committed to Christ, more sold out to him, you got to get there. And if they see you as a model, they'll say, I want to be like this person. They're getting it. I, I want to follow their model as well. So, folks, it takes us pursuing all of these ways to really accomplish our mission of making more and better disciples of Christ. I like to say it this way. We all need to make a decision today, a decision that says once and for all, as a believer in Jesus Christ, here it is, I'm all in. Can you say this morning, when it comes to your relationship with Christ and following his model, truthfully, can you really say, Larry, I'm all in. I've been all in. I'm really all in. <laughs> When it comes to pursuing Christ, man, I am pursuing Christ. I'm all in. I'll build community. I'll try to bring people along with me to study God's word and, and, and become a part of his community. I'm all in. When it comes to unleashing compassion, I'm all in. Folks, our mission is possible, but we need a church that says we're in. Amen? Amen. And we need to not just be in but all in with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our body, with all of our resources. Jesus, you've given me such great compassion. The only thing I can do is to be all in. Amen? Amen. All in for you. Let's accept God's mission for our lives in this church, the mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. As I pray this prayer, would you pray it in your heart? It's a commitment to be all in. It goes like this. Father, I want to be on mission for you. So today, I choose to accept your mission for me and my church. And I'm deciding right now to be all in. I commit to pursue you to build community, and to unleash my compassion. Fathers, I share these words. I know I'm speaking countercultural. Our, our culture teaches us to be all about building stuff for us, building, achieving, growing, going just for us. But God, you've called us to be on mission, to unleash compassion. Lord, help us to be different. Help us to be like you, that the world may come to know you. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. I love you. May God bless you.